And thank you for listening to today's episode of JT Cast, the official podcast of the Journal of Athletic Training. I'm your host, Luke Donovan. This month, we will discuss two articles over two short episodes from the most recent issue of the Journal of Athletic Training. In the first episode, I will discuss whether appropriate footwear can prevent injuries in recreational runners. In the second episode, I will explore the findings of a study that reports characteristics of injuries occurring during cross-country that were acquired using the Athletic Training Practice-Based Research Network. As a reminder, the article discussed today can be found on the JAT website, natajournals.org. And please remember that all content from JAT is open access to all readers thanks to the funding from the National Athletic Trainers Association. The title of the first article is, Can the Appropriate Footwear Prevent Injury in Leisure Time Running? Evidence versus Beliefs. Authored by Drs. Malisu and Thyssen from Luxembourg Institute of Health and Alan Milady's Rares Luxembourg. Let's survey the scene. Recreational running continues to be one of the most popular physical activities practiced across the world. Running has numerous health benefits. However, these health benefits are often threatened given the high rates of injury among recreational runners. One ongoing topic with no expert consensus is whether the appropriate footwear or certain footwear features play a significant role in developing or preventing a running-related injury. Anthropological evidence supports that humans adopted bipedal locomotion 2 million years ago and evolved into effective endurance runners. Since modern footwear did not exist for our ancestors, it has been assumed that the most common form of running reflects the four-foot strike pattern commonly observed in modern-day barefoot runners. On the other hand, most shod runners use a rear-foot strike pattern. Built from this evidence, the mismatch theory was developed, which states that the mismatch between the mechanics with which humans evolved in the modern-day environment greatly influences the development of running-related injuries. Although the mismatch theory consists of a rational framework, some of the assumptions, such as whether our ancestors truly ran with a four-foot strike pattern, whether the training patterns across eras were similar, and whether injury rates were similar, must be considered. Another expert theory is known as the preferred movement path and comfort filter, which suggests that runners naturally select comfortable footwear that allows them to remain in the preferred movement path while running. The theory stems from a lack of evidence to suggest pronounced changes in injury frequency among recreational runners over the past 40 years, despite great changes in running footwear over the same time frame. This theory acknowledges that footwear does contribute to injury. However, the practice of selecting footwear using perceived comfort automatically reduces the risk of injury. Therefore, the high rates of injury must be related to other factors. Essentially, when a runner selects footwear by comfort to maintain their preferred movement path, that runner is doing everything possible to reduce injury from a footwear perspective. Like the mismatch theory, the preferred movement path and comfort filter paradigms come from available evidence. Unfortunately, the availability of evidence specific to the incidence of running injuries is sparse or varies greatly across participant population, study design and methods, and injury definition. Therefore, the purpose of this narrative review was to clarify whether the prescription of footwear to prevent running-related injuries is evidence-based or a product of logical fallacy. The authors reviewed the literature for studies that aimed to establish whether footwear or features of footwear influences injury risk. As such, the authors mainly focused on studies where injury was an outcome. 
This narrative summarizes the results of studies that assess prescribing footwear based on foot morphology, as well as features of footwear that are commonly advertised to influence injury risk. Let's start with prescribing shoes based on foot morphology. Shoe prescription approach relies on the assumptions that running injuries are caused by excessive external ground reaction forces and excessive foot motion. In turn, running shoes have been designed to reduce impact forces and attenuate excessive foot pronation. Therefore, plantar shape and the degree to which one is pronated should dictate which shoes are prescribed to decrease the chances of a running-related injury. From this th theory, three main shoes have emerged. Using the terms and definitions from the narrative, these three shoes are as followed. First, cushion shoes, which have a greater cushioning property and are advertised for runners with high arched, rigid feet and reduce pronation. Second, stability shoes, which have some cushioning and motion control and are suited for runners with normal foot morphology. And finally, motion control shoes, which have arch support features, dual density midsoles, or a rigid heel counter to limit rear foot eversion and are recommended for runners with flat feet who display excessive pronation and low limb malalignment during the stance phase. To date, prescribing footwear based on arch height alone was shown to be not effective in reducing injury risk in members of the military. Similar results were found in a cohort of female runners. Therefore, individuals with a low arch should not simply default to wearing motion control shoes, while individuals with a high arch should not default to cushion shoes. However, when the foot posture index, which is a six-item checklist to assess foot posture, was used to qualify foot morphology within a randomized control trial, it was found that participants who were considered pronated had smaller injury risk when using motion control shoes and had higher injury risk when using a non-motion control shoe. Interestingly, foot type did not change injury risk for participants who were categorized as being either neutral or supinated based on the foot posture index. Aside from foot morphology, there are other components of footwear that are often advertised to influence injury risk during running. First is the shock absorption properties. Again, manipulating the shock absorption of the footwear comes from the assumption that external impact forces are associated with injury risk. Therefore, cushioning material in footwear may reduce the external forces. Biomechanical studies have been inconsistent where some studies actually found that increasing the cushioning material in footwear also increases the impact forces during running. Nonetheless, the inconsistent lab-based studies do not exclude shoe cushioning as a potential injury influencer, as these studies did not measure injury. What these preliminary studies do suggest is that if shoe cushioning does influence injury risk, that the mechanism of doing so may, na may not actually be related to external impact forces. A recent study found that shoe cushioning did influence injury risk. However, only for males under 68 kilograms and females under 62.8 kilograms. Specifically, harder cushioned shoes increase risk of injury when compared to individuals who ran in soft cushioned shoes. The findings contradict the common belief that heavier runners would benefit more from a more cushioned shoe. Presently, the optimal degree of shoe cushioning and the mechanism in which cushioning influences injury risk among lighter runners remains unknown. Another footwear feature that has been hypothesized to contribute to running-related injuries is the heel-to-toe drop, which is the difference between the heel and forefoot stack heights. 
A study with a six-month follow-up period found no differences in injury rates across runners randomly assigned to using shoes with a 0, 6, or 10-millimeter heel-to-toe drop. However, a secondary analysis showed that when participants were stratified by running experience, the occasional or novice runners had a lower injury risk among those using the 6 or 0 millimeter versions. Conversely, the injury risk was greater in more experienced runners who were required to run in the low drop versions over the duration of the study. Based on these findings, it seems appropriate to recommend low drop footwear for the occasional or inexperienced runners. Specific to the more experienced runners, the authors speculate that the progression to a low-drop shoe among participants assigned to these groups may not have been long enough, which could explain the increased risk of sustaining a running-related injury. Other factors included this in narrative were shoe age, cost, brand, and the practice of alternating footwear between different types of shoes. To date, no evidence-based recommendations can be made about shoe age and no association between shoe brand or cost and injury risk has been established. However, it does appear that alternating between footwear does decrease the risk of injury. Unfortunately, the optimal strategy in terms of frequency and footwear features remains unclear. The final factors the authors explored were whether barefoot running or using minimalist shoes decreased injury rates. A prospective study that compared the injury frequency and rates between shod runners and runners who completed at least 50% of their mileage barefoot found that barefoot running group had less injuries than shod groups. However, the barefoot running group also ran less miles, making the injury rates similar between the two groups. Specific to minimalist footwear, two prospective studies have been conducted. One of the studies found minimalist footwear to be associated with a greater risk of injury, while the other study observed no association between footwear type and injury. However, this study did find that body mass was a covariate and that individuals who had a body mass above 71.4 kilograms were more likely to sustain an injury when using minimalist shoes compared to runners using traditional footwear. In reflection of these two studies, it does appear that the transition period to using minimalist shoes may have been too short and that the sample size of these studies may have been too small. As such, the influence of minimalist footwear on injury will remain unclear until additional large randomized controlled trials with adequate transition periods are conducted. In summary, the author's general recommendations are as follows. Overall, robust, evidence-based footwear prescription guidelines cannot be made at this time. Some studies have shown that certain footwear characteristics may be beneficial to some subgroups of runners. First, motion control in cushioned shoes may reduce the risk of running injuries for runners with pronated feet and not increase the risk of injury in runners with neutral or supinated feet when using the foot posture index. Second, it appears safe to recommend low-drop footwear for occasional or inexperienced runners. And finally, there is preliminary evidence that suggests cushioning had a preventative effect, especially in light runners. In short, the overarching question of how much running training in the presence of a given anatomical predisposition, running technique, and specific footwear can be tolerated without incurring an injury remains unanswered. In the meantime, we must continue to appropriately interpret research within the context of the study population, design, and outcome variables. 
Within future studies, researchers may need to analyze the data across the group, subgroup, and individual levels, as it may be that each runner is unique and adapt in their own way to a given shoe, where the individual changes may not translate into significant group effects. Science may be able to provide general guidelines, but clinicians should always make decisions at the individual level without unbiased information. Well, that's it for today's JET Cast. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Stitcher. You can find out more information about upcoming podcasts and other JET events on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts at JET underscore NATA. Thank you for listening and keep a lookout for our next JT Cast episode. Mm-hmm.